Welcome to the show called Let's Talk Homeschool. I'm Davis and I'm with my lovely wife, Rachel, and we are your host. This is the show where we talk about everything homeschooling, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. We want to affirm and encourage you in the decision to homeschool, challenge and inspire you to take it to new heights, and celebrate everything you get to experience along the way in this adventure of a lifetime. This podcast is sponsored by Apologia Educational Ministries. Go to Apologia.com, a great place to explore creation. Today's show is titled, The Revival Right in Front of You. Okay, Rachel, let's talk homeschool. So in February of this year, 2023, a revival broke out unexpectedly at Asbury College, which is located in a small, nondescript town of Kentucky. So some called it a revival, others referred to it as a spiritual awakening, but whatever you call it, something good was happening and it caught the attention of all kinds of news outlets. As a matter of fact, uh, Tucker Carlson was reported to have uh, had a planned visit. He was going to go there and bring his camera crews and he got a call by one of the representatives of the college saying, please don't come. And uh, you know, in the course of that discussion, it came out that the representative was saying, look, something good is happening here that we don't want to be interrupted by TV cameras. I absolutely love that. I think oh, that I might know. be my favorite part of the entire thing. I just, I think in a generation and in a culture that has almost adopted the mentality that unless you capture it on your iPhone, it didn't happen. I just think that that's beautiful, the purity of what this official was trying to maintain there at Asbury. I love that. Oh, I know. I know. And, and Tucker did, too. He respected it so much that he honored their request, didn't show up with camera crews everywhere. And, of course, it, there was enough news attention you know, happening. Like you say, there were iPhones. There were TV crews of from other outlets. But that was a beautiful commentary it that really something is, yeah. good is happening here. Let's, let's let it happen naturally. Let's not spoil it by making it. Uh, bringing attention. And of course, Tuck, part of Tucker said is um, it's very rare for people to not want publicity. Right. And so th- that yeah. did just add to the purity of what was happening. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, at the risk of getting to the crescendo so early in the podcast, I just want to encourage all the homeschool families out there that you're doing it, even if you're not posting it. And I would almost say, especially if you're not posting it on social media, those moments with your children reading on the sofa, chasing butterflies in your front yard, laying on a blanket, looking at the stars, you're doing it. It doesn't have to be posted. And I would say there is a purity and a beauty and a goodness in just being present without Filming it and posting it everywhere. And documenting it and making it public. Exactly. There's just something beautiful when it's just yours. It's just yours in your memory. It's just yours to think back about. I love the passage. It happens in two times in the Gospels where it says, and Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. Mm, Yeah. And, you know, Mary didn't have an iPhone, you know, newsflash, shocker. But she treasured these things. She knew what she knew what she knew. She knew she'd been visited by an angel. She knew that when they thought that they had lost the Lord Jesus when he was 12, which is a funny story to me, how terrifying would it be to think that you've lost the Son of God in a busy city? And yet 
she and Joseph are frantically looking for him for three days. And Jesus's response is, wait, didn't you know this is where, didn't you know where to look, right? And it says, Mary treasured all of these things. She pondered them. She considered them. She thought about them. She marinated on these truths. And I've got to say, I think too often we obsess about the right camera angle and the lighting and capturing it on video and do it again and smile this way and put that away and pick that up. And we're too obsessed with posting that we miss the moment. We're not present. And yeah, I I think that that is a beautiful reminder what happened at Asbury in that moment with Tucker Carlson. That, you know what, it's valuable because it's happening not because it's video. Exactly, exactly. And uh, this is a homeschool podcast. And as Rachel said, we're, there's a very strong tie to the spiritual awakening, the revival that happened at Asbury, and what's happened and has been happening in the homeschool movement. We'll, we'll get there, but let's, let's continue to set the stage some. So when you think of great awakenings or spiritual movements of God, uh, I know I think of, uh, some historical moments that I was not present at, that none of us were present at. I think of the Great Awakenings in America of the early 1700s, the mid-1800s, and even the early 1900s. You read his history, there were some significant uh, people, significant events uh, that have been documented and stored for us to read about and have some sense of what was happening, even though we weren't personally there, and there were there weren't pictures and iPhones and TV crews like like we were talking about. But what are some of the moments that were a little closer to home that maybe you did experience or you've heard your parents experienced? And that come when what comes to mind when I think of that is the Jesus movement of the seventies mm-hmm. that I've heard people talk about. That was a little before our time. So but, but it was close. It was when we were kids. And then the Promise Keepers movement, which mm-hmm. I did participate in. Right. I remember in the mid-90s going to multiple Promise Keeper events and just sensing that God was doing something big and significant in the hearts of men in America and wondering what change was happening when all of us went home. What, what was this going to do for the church, for families, for our country uh, as these hundreds of thousands of men having experienced something very significant, deep, and spiritual, what was going to be the revival that happened later? And we're, we're in that time right now, and you know, the judges is out to decide, but those were at least events that people would say revival was happening, spiritual awakening of some kind was happening. Yeah, but you know, I think if you do a little deeper study, if you do like the origin story of any of the great revivals, so even going back to the 1700s and the 1800s, if you dig a little deeper, they started really small with people praying for revival, unnamed, anonymous people seeing a need for the spiritual revival and praying for it. And then God brings it about. It's it's as if the revival itself is, okay, a big outplay of answered prayer, but it began small. And I think often, I don't, I'm going to mess up the quote, but there's a quote that a bit basically says, don't, 
belittle the little things. What is that quote? I'm not getting it just right. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Right. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. And yet, especially now, we do that, right? We think that if we do something small with our kids or we, moms, I'm going to just talk to you for a minute. We think it doesn't matter that I sat down and nursed my baby for 30 minutes. It doesn't matter that I put another Band-Aid on. It doesn't matter that I was up last night 14 times with a sick baby. Because those seem so little and so small and so mundane, especially in our culture today, when those are the big things, right? And so the prayers offered, acknowledging the need for revival and the heartfelt desire for a nation or a family or a congregation or a community to turn back for the Lord, those are huge. Those are significant. And all of those great revivals, that's how it started. And now being a part of the revival that you and I want to talk about, definitively, we believe homeschooling is a revival. It is Malachi, the outplay of the fathers turning their hearts toward their children and their families. That's what this is. Maybe it's not Oh, I'll say for me, it's certainly not as broad-based as I wish it was. I wish more people were responding. I do believe many people are under the conviction to home educate, but few few take up take God up on that offer. Very many are just like, yeah, not me. No, 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 no. And, you know, we've talked about that a number of times on the podcast, so I don't want to chase that squirrel today, but I wish it was more broad-based. But... I still believe that it is a revival. I still think it matters, even though it's not as broad-based as we wish it was. And I believe, and this is the interesting thing, maybe we need to pick at this a little bit. I believe it is the answer to prayer. I believe there are many people in America that have prayed for a revival in America. But it's like a lot of other things we pray for. Boy, I could give you a list. I don't know that I would want to air this publicly, but I could give you a list of things that I've prayed for for a really long time. And I don't believe any prayer ever goes unanswered. So there's that. But I will tell you this, nine out of nine times, God answers it in a different way than I would have thought he would. I would have written the script a different way. And he answers my prayer, but in a very different way than I wish he would. But he's sovereign. And I have to trust his answer for prayer is actually the best answer for prayer because he's God and I'm not. I would just humbly suggest that for all of those people, and I believe there's a lot of people across America who have prayed for a revival in America, I actually think homeschooling is that revival, but it's not the answer they wish it was. And so they do what we do even personally. They reject the answer being an answer because it's not what they wanted it to be. No, I think you're exactly right. And that's a great place for us to take a quick break, and we'll come back to this conversation. Hold on. We want to thank our sponsor, Apology Educational Ministries. Their mission is to help homeschooling families learn, live, and defend the Christian faith. Apology is the number one publisher of creation-based curricula for homeschooling families with hundreds of number one awards. Now, that's impressive, but more importantly, that's why Apology is trusted by homeschooling families all across the USA and the world. Go to Apologia.com. A great place to explore creation. Well, welcome back. So we've titled this podcast, The Revival Right in Front of You. We've been talking about the revival that happened in February at Asbury College in Kentucky and how great things 
happen, whether or not they're recorded on an iPhone or a TV camera or make you know, public news. And then we looked briefly at some of the revivals and spiritual awakenings that have happened in the past. In America, the early 1700s, mid-1800s, early 1900s, the 1970s Jesus movement, and the 1990s Promise Keepers movement. But there's a clear segue to the homeschooling movement being a spiritual revival, the results of a spiritual awakening. And so let's go back to 1979. This is a pivotal moment when a lot of the pioneers and the early homeschoolers look to as to when they got started on this journey. Dr. James Dobson was president of Focus on the Family. He had a big radio program. And in 1979, he invited Dr. Raymond Moore as a guest. And on that show, they discussed his two books, Better Late Than Early and School Can Wait. And we didn't listen to that podcast. We didn't have kids yet. We weren't even married yet. We were still in you know, junior high and high school. But that's when some of the first early pioneer homeschoolers who were experiencing some kind of revival in their own lives heard this broadcast and point to it as when they had a vision to start homeschooling. You know, I think you're right. I think most people that I know that talked that I've heard talk about those early days would say that was the match lit thrown on the the dry timber of right that's it so many people in that in that part of the homeschooling revival point to that podcast as their moment and I think you're exactly right and it you know it only takes a spark to light a fire and a lot of people just jumped on board and again I'm just going to dare to say I think Home education is an example of God answering our prayer in a very basic, fundamental way that many people reject. This is the answer. What is the answer? Fathers turning their hearts back to their children, building those homes, building a foundation on the truth of God, discipling your children in God's word, seeking to know and understand what God's plan is for you as a family, what God's plan is for each one of your children, how he's gifted them, growing together, leaning into the sanctification that comes, not just from marriage, because we've talked about that, sanctification in marriage is a thing, you know, you so in love with with each other, you can't wait to to be together 24-7, and you get married, and you know what, sooner or later that newness kind of comes off, and silver starts to tarnish, and now you got to live with this person and navigate this, and really lean into God's plan for you within this relationship where you discover you're both sinners, right? <laughs> so then the real sanctification begins, and then you have kids, and right. two sinners can only give birth to sinners, right? And so instead of, however, sending your kids away all day, you determine that you're going to stay together, and you're going to participate in this intense sanctification that is home education when you're together all the time. Well, in the early days of our ministry, our ministry was called RDC Ministries, which had several meanings. RDC stood for Rachel and Davis Carmen Ministries, but it also stood for Radical Decisions for Christ. And homeschooling was one of the most radical decisions that we were promoting in that ministry um, and opening our family up to as many kids as God would allow, uh, doing things so radically different that people, we, we weren't doing it for the sake 
of, you know, getting people, you know, wondering. It was about following Christ, but in brand new radical ways that that were uncomfortable for for us. Like you say, it was a sanctification. We we were feeling that call from God in a way that was so strong. It was like these spiritual revivals that lasted more than a weekend, lasted more than a moment. And that's what I think is one of the beautiful things that can happen with the revival and spiritual awakening is it can be the, the, the catalyst, the spark that that is lit, the match that's lit, that begins the fire, but then you want that fire to spread and grow and last a long time. And sanctification is a long, hard, lifelong process. So it's, it's not just a one-time event. And homeschooling is clearly a marathon, not a sprint. We just fin- last year, we just finished 26 years, a literal marathon, if you think of it, if, <laughs> one mile per year, but 26 years of homeschooling, and it never f- felt like drudgery. We were committed to it after three years, and we were going to do this to the end, but it, w- it was still something we had to do one year at a time, just plug along, never give up, persevere, uh, just like the Christian life, but the beautiful thing that's happening that I see in homeschooling is it is a Malachi 4-6 movement where the hearts of parents are turning to their kids. The hearts yeah. of kids are turning to their parents. And families are staying together as families. Right. They're literally passing on the values, um, the virtues, the worldview, the teaching that's important to them. And that's the best way to pass on your family heritage, your family traditions, your Christian heritage and tradition. And it's it's just, it's such a paradigm shift that it does look odd, just like a revival looks strange at first glance. But you know something good's happening. Same with homeschooling. It looks odd at first glance. But once you get behind the scenes, you realize, oh, this is actually really good. It, make, it makes sense. And and I think, too, one of the things you just said in passing, and again, we've talked about it before, is sooner or later you make a decision, this is what we're doing. This is a, def- this is a family distinctive. This isn't a year-to-year decision. This isn't a stick your finger in the, in the wind and see which way it's blowing. This is what we're doing. And I think that that is terrifying to a lot of people to say, this is what we're doing, to reassess every year. But one of the one of the things that I've said in the past is, I don't reassess my marriage every year. I don't come to our anniversary in December and go, you know, it's okay year. I, we'll give it another go. Or, you know, it's pretty lousy. I really didn't enjoy this last year, so maybe we don't do it again this year. Now, I've taken some criticism for that because obviously marriage is a covenantal relationship established by God. It's a sacrament. So I'm not, I'm not trying to equate that with home education, except to say I think that it can engender a lot of security on the part of your children to know that this is what we're doing. And I think that it can solve a lot of problems that we allow to explode if it's always this looming question of what we're going to do. Now, I think homeschooling can look different every year. It may mean that you have a co-op one year and another year you don't. It may mean that you do some online classes and another year you don't. But fundamentally, this is our educational approach for our family. And the core of that is discipleship and teaching 
God and his word and his truth in a Christian worldview. Now, how that plays out, that may vary widely. Ours varied widely. But the little yellow school bus is off the table as an option. Right. So I think homeschooling is that revival. But I think it's it it's been on a still a slow simmer if it would. It hasn't really exploded it exploded out of necessity during COVID, but I think that it still remains overwhelming and terrifying because the fear is in the wrong place. Unless we're going to decide, because I think there are only two choices about what we're going to fear. And I believe just like we were made to worship, just like we were made for fellowship, I believe that we fundamentally fear something. We either fear God, meaning we revere him, we get who he is, he's high and lifted up, he is the almighty, the sovereign king of the universe, or we fear man and this world and their judgment and their standards and whichever way we turn, whichever one we embrace is what we fear, we will subsequently then worship. And I think the issue with the whole home education thing is we really do, most all Christians, I would say, we really do want to honor and, and worship and live our lives for God to a point, right? Because we really kind of want it both ways. We really do want to honor God. But at the same time, we don't want to do something so weird that men and the world start saying that's weird or that's doesn't meet our standard or that looks too strange for us to accept and, accept and, and embrace. Yeah. And so because you're that weird, then you can't be part of us. And I, I just think, I happen to think it's really not that complicated. I think it's all about choosing to fear God and trusting and obeying him, even when it's radically uncomfortable. Because I think homeschooling families across the country are making the difference. Well, and you know, you mentioned something about um, committing to this uh, movement of homeschooling as a family, not deciding year after year if you're going to continue, but maybe making some changes to what it looks like and how that can bring security for the kids. I remember when our kids were young, we'd be sitting at the dinner table having conversations about this, and you know, we, we would have a conversation that would ask this question. Mom, Dad, if homeschooling were ever illegal and you could go to jail, would we stop or would we keep going? And we told the kids, we will continue to homeschool, even right. if it became illegal. Right. And we meant that. It was a good accountability for us of just how committed are we, uh, what was important, you know, continuing this culture in our family by homeschooling or you know going to jail if it, if it meant civil disobedience but it actually ingrained a purpose and mission in our kids we're a homeschool family right and it must be for a certain reason so the conversation will continue about well why is this so important to us right why isn't so important to you mom and dad and so that, that was important. That was good in terms of defining our family culture. Right. And homeschooling was a big part of the DNA. It was a big piece of how we defined ourselves and what was important to us and what we were willing to live and die for. 
Yeah, and I, I think back then, so true confession, I remember even when we were beginning 26 years ago, there were people who I'm going to say now were just wiser and more insightful than I was at the time. You know, I had taught in public schools when we were first married, and I didn't get what they got. They There was talk even all the way back then about the government schools, the government schools. And I remember the first time I heard about the government schools and this is Babylon, and I thought, oh my goodness, that is just an overstatement. No, it's not. It's really not. And today, with such a clear picture behind the veil, now that we know what the ideology is and what they're trying to cram down the throats of these kids, what it means, what their agenda is, whether it is sex education, exposure to LGBTQ, whether it is critical theory, we know what they're trying to do. And yet we're saying that many Christians are saying, it's okay, we have a really good youth group. I'm really grateful for those who went before us and could see it for what it was before it was so clearly revealed over the last few years. Because for us, it was a rejection of that ideology and that system and that discipleship. What I think many families don't understand is you can have family discipleship in the steps of Christ, and which honors God, or you can have the discipleship of the world. That's what the little yellow school bus represents, is that is a choice of how your kids are going to be discipled in the ways of the world or in the ways of God. And I choose the ways of God. And that's what it was for us. It wasn't, there was this wide um, spectrum of ways that our homeschool could look, right? So there wasn't just one way to homeschool. But what we were saying is we reject that discipleship right. for our kids. We reject the discipleship of the world. That is not what we're going to participate in. We are going to determine that we want our kids discipled in the ways of God. Exactly. So when I think back to the revival stories that were happening at Asbury, my heart is actually filled with a sense of hope. There, there, were, there were good things happening there. Uh but I'm reminded that God is at work on the hearts of minds and people all the time and often in unexpected ways. Right. But I believe the homeschooling mo- movement gives us, certainly gives me, the most hope. Mm. Mothers and fathers loving their children, teaching them to love God, letting them explore God's creation outside, giving a positive and healthy meaning to the important concepts of home and family. I think it's very safe to say that homeschooling is the most significant cultural, social, educational, and spiritual movement of the last 40 or 50 years. But you know something that you said earlier, I just want to circle back to for just a second, because I think what we all want is an Asbury experience. Right. We want, but we want it every day, and it doesn't work like that, right? So when I was talking earlier, I'm betting that Asbury happened because there were people praying in the background that we'll never know that we're praying in some closet in their own home or maybe a small group somewhere in the vicinity of Asbury, maybe the board of trustees, maybe the president and his wife, maybe 
the janitor as he was cleaning on campus. I don't know, but I bet that it was sparked actually in the background and then became this thing, right? And everybody's like, I got to go to Asbury. I want to go see this. I want to be part of this. Just like when you did Promise Keepers, you wanted to go be part. You wanted to go to DC. You wanted to be one of the thousands of men that was there. Great. That's awesome. That's kind of what conferences were, at least for a season, right? The call, the call is to live the revival every day. Right, That's exactly. the call. It's not to go to the event. There's nothing wrong with going to the event, to being present in Washington, D.C., or going, driving to Asbury. There's nothing wrong with attending. But the real challenge is to be part of that every day. And that's the opportunity in homeschooling. You don't have to drive to D.C. or to Asbury. You can be a very real and significant part of revival in this country every day as you rise up, as you walk along the way, as you lie down, as you live out Deuteronomy 6 with your family as a homeschool family. That's the opportunity and that's what we want to encourage families to do. Exactly. Like we've been saying, homeschooling. It's the revival right in front of you. Well, we're going to bring this conversation to a close. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time. If you liked what you heard, please write a review, share it with friends, or send us an email. The address is podcast at apologia.com. This is Let's Talk Homeschool, and we are your hosts, Davis and Rachel Carmen. This podcast is sponsored by Apologia Educational Ministries. Go to Apologia.com, a great place to explore creation. Have a great day, and until next time, we are walking by faith and enjoying the homeschooling adventure of a lifetime.